Hey there, leader. Today, today is August 22nd. And today on Leadership Lost and Found, we're going to be talking about the social revolution, how we got here, how to lead in it, and how to win it. Now, today, today in history, which I think is very, very um, pertinent to what we're talking about, in 1775, King George III declared the American colonies to be an open rebellion. Oh, you the are. The start of the American Revolution. The peasants are revolting. And speaking of revolting, we need to talk about revolution. So we had the Industrial Revolution, which uh, ended around the 1920s which was our great-grandfather's uh, revolution, if you will. Lots of hard Some working. of us, it was our grandfather's. <laughs> yeah, yes. Not, well, great. Yeah. There, yeah. There's some younger folks listening. Yeah, that's true. Much younger than you. Not just my mom. Yeah, yeah. Right. We picked up four or five <laughs> extra people. Yeah, there's Hi, all seven people. Which, by the way, a little bit of a detour. We've been away from the microphone for a little while. Randy's been sick. Well, I, mentally, maybe I was I was incarcerated for a brief moment of time. And until then, oh until the voices told you you were better? That's right. That's right. No, but we've been away because uh, someone has had met a special someone and uh, has been uh, smitten, if you will, by Cupid's arrow and also very, very busy with school. I won't say it because, you know, I'm totally uneducated and and uh, and my my wife uh she loves me, thank goodness, but uh, but she tolerates me. Um, and you, you have uh, you have engaged up. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely. Uh, as they say in football, I think I might have outkicked my coverage yes. just a little bit. You are kicking outside your weight class. So anyway, we've been away from a little bit due to <clears throat> personal reasons, not professional reasons, but uh, all good. And here we are. And we're ready to go. So we're ready to go. Back to revolution. Yep. So back to my grandfather or my father's revolution. You know, and the Industrial Revolution occurred in the time frame you said, but the effects of it were felt, right? As the, as the society grew, it still had growing pains, which we felt probably the culmination of last growing pains in the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Maybe even in the start of the, for the start of the Second World War and part of the Second World War, where deprivation was a real thing. And I remember my father talking about not sure if they'd have enough food, Mm -hmm. right? And whether or not they'd get meat that week. Mm -hmm. I mean, people here throw their arms up if the Chick-fil-A line is too long. Toilet paper. My dad, as a young man, was riding around on the back of the Coca-Cola truck doing deliveries, you know, clearly against any sort of child labor laws today. (laughs) But it was to help bring money home to the family. And, And it created in him... And you know the generation surrounding that, an impact crater, a, gravi- mm-hmm. a gravity well that impacted how they acted. And it was one of survival. I need to make sure we're going to be okay. Well, but that also drove a mentality of do what needs to be done. Yes. Do what needs to be done to accomplish whatever's before us. And that, that was that whole generation. And then you get into the... The, the late 40s as you began moving all of a sudden. Before we go, I want to talk about my dad one more time. Okay. My dad used to, you know, he was a, a pretty successful attorney, could more than afford an extra bottle of ketchup or two, mm-hmm. and he would tape those suckers. So the one that was becoming empty, 
he would tape it on top of a good one to let it drain <laughs> overnight to make sure that he had every ounce of ketchup. And if you ever heard that man go after a mayonnaise jar with a, a metal knife, it would drive you to distraction. Clink, 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 clink. But it, he didn't have to. But it was that same ethic you were talking about, which is I got to make sure. You don't waste. Yes. You don't waste. You do what needs to be done. And you you get up, you go in early, you do whatever it takes, and you tolerate a lot of stuff. Like there were some really bad bosses back then. I mean, even to, we, we think about abusive bosses, whatever. There, I mean, there was physical abuse bosses back then, right? Not just now. Well, he made me feel bad, right? But literally, you know, yeah. uh, uh, the type of uh, you know why we have child labor laws, all that sort of stuff. But you get into the late '40s, and suddenly we get into the information age. The information age begins in its infancy, and then it, it culminates basically with our generation. Yeah, it does. It takes us into the 80s. And we work so that we could keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. You know? And that was a big thing for us, right? Yeah. Remember, keeping up the Joneses as a kid or peer pressure mm -hmm. was always the thing that we were told was most probable. Kids are most likely to start smoking because of peer pressure. And I'm like... Who's this guy, Peer? Why is he putting pressure on me? <laughs> Peer's a jerk. It, it, but it's an interesting transformation. As the information became more available and collectible and not quite data analytics, algorithm mining, but we didn't have to write things down anymore. And I, I remember somebody made a joke like, how did we look busy before computers? <laughs> Right. And I, I remember a time before computers or before networking, at least, you know, you, you put a stack of memos under your arm and you hustled to somewhere to make yeah. it look like you were busy. But now data was available. I remember ATM networks were hugely impactful to get money on demand. Mom and dad and part of that scarcity mindset used to get a big chunk of cash out every other week. And mm -hmm. mom had to, it was a specific trip every every week or every other week to the bank at a certain time. Get that money. Now we get it whenever we need it. So uh, my first experience with an ATM machine, the Owl, which was the, the original yes. Owl, right? Back in, uh, in, in uh, southwestern Ohio, south, southwestern central Ohio. It was the best Korean place in south, southwestern central. Anyway, uh, I would go to the ATM <laughs> and I, I went to get money out. And it was after my first job. I had a pizza. I was a pizza delivery guy. And I had my money in Fifth Third Bank, and they had the Owl, and I went into Reading Street, uh, uh, William Street in Reading, and I, I went to the Owl, and I went up, and I put my card in, and it said, you can only take money out in multiples of 10, and I needed $100. And I thought, dang it, <laughs> I have to do this 10 times. Math is hard. <laughs> no, so I, I did 10. I put my card in <laughs> 10 times. Not, not realizing. No, no. You can is get a multiple a, of yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, uh, yes. And I, no, I, I had the math. other event. I used to go to one ATM in college that still gave out money in five dollar increments, so I could get five dollars because I didn't have enough to get ten dollars out. That's glorious. That is glorious. Information yeah. age. We're Info round in the corner. Yeah, information age. That went for us. I don't know if you got the memo until two thousand and eight. And in 2008, with the, the crisis that happened, um, the new revolution began, and, and that's now being called the social revolution. 
And now it is folks that work not because of how much you pay them, um, but how they feel yes. working for the company that they work for. So we start this in the industrial age and it's about survival. We move through the information age and it's about quality of life. How can I do better, you know, not have to be the survival person. I can actually, you know, drive a nicer car, live in a bigger house. And then I get to the social age and suddenly those two things, which are sort of lower on the more fundamental of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm -hmm. it comes up to my feelings. Mm -hmm. And I care about issues. And, and, and by the way, if anybody is reading into my, into my tone any derision or anything like that, that is not the case. Please I, don't sue him I, or I, his no, company. I, I find <laughs> this fascinating. And coming from my perspective of somebody in the information age, yeah. it is fascinating to me. And I'm, I'm working on this, right, to understand it. To, to me, who was always afraid that I would have to sit there and clank and clank and clank in the, in the mayonnaise jar, yeah. I, to think like, oh, who cares how you feel? Do, are they paying you? Right. You know, me and another guy at work, um, we joke, I don't care what my title is as long as you pay me, mm -hmm. right? And now we're seeing people who say, I, I, as a matter of fact, a company that I remain nameless had a talk about the Roe versus Wade decision in the company. Yeah. And asking very, very pointed questions. Why did you do this? Who do you give money? What political action groups do you give money to? Mm -hmm. Why do you do that? How, you know, what is our stance? And very interesting change. I would never have thought until, you know, no, recent years to ask my company's political stance on something. Well, and that was foreign because in the, in the Industrial Revolution, there were no feelings. <laughs> yeah, right. You just did your job. In the information age, you swallowed your feelings yeah. and go to work, grin and bear it. You yeah, know, and if it. it got bad enough, you could do something harassment, sure. right? Or yeah, something sure. like that. But it had to get really bad. Right. There had to be some sort of class action yeah. before Limb anybody lost did or something. Yeah. But then social, not the case, you know, and it's, it's about how people feel about where they work. And one of the, the challenging things, and how they feel about what their work supports, as you just mentioned. Right. What... What's interesting is for folks our age. So if you if you group the people, so what you're saying is after 20 podcasts, we're the same age. No, not not close. <laughs> no, we do wear the same glasses now, um, but but yeah, but if you look at the ages of 40 and older, so 40 and older, to those of you who are listening out there, both of you, I think there's two of you, um, we are in a unique space because. The people we worked for, we tried to appease and, and tried to do good things for and make sure that their missions got accomplished. Well, now the people that work for us want to be appeased, want to make sure that their missions get accomplished. So it, the, the time that we were, oh, I can't wait till I'm in the big chair and I can call the shots. Yeah. Well, now we're in the big chair and it's not about calling the, the shots. shots like it was anymore it's, it's about, about asking them how they feel yeah it's about asking them how they feel soft skills and and i'm emotional intelligence is big here those of you who have listened to us before emotional intelligence is about self-regulation of emotion and then on the other hand end of that is influencing the emotions of others mm -hmm. right towards a common goal putting the leadership part on it so now we have this aspect where if it was my father's generation or your generation I'd go, Fields, you want to work here any longer? And you go, yes, sir. Then, well, do the work, right? Mm -hmm. 
totally different than me leaning in in, the, in this day and age to somebody and saying, they come to me and go, well, I don't like how this work makes me feel. And I can't go, well, then we ain't going to, you know, you don't get no, no pay. I, I have to say, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just different. I have to say, tell me what you're thinking. How is this affecting you? How can I create a space here that makes you feel like you're doing good work and feel like you're a part of it? One of the hardest things, I think, the barriers to break through and watched it happen, we watched it happen in ours, is equality, right? Where, where you have racial equality across technology, let's just say, to get to, you know, gender equality across technology. Those are still works in progress, not saying by any means they're done. But those are definitely, when we're talking about social connectivity, making sure we have a diverse workforce, which I think we're well on the way of doing, both in gender and in ethnicity. Hey, and I'll take that a, a step sideways, mm -hmm. which is, isn't making sure we have a diverse workforce. It is creating the opportunity for a divorce, diverse workforce, right? Because sure. what you don't want to go is like, well, I'm going to fire the three white guys and bring in three diverse people. What you want, what I think is right, is bringing in a level playing field, right? That people can of can get the opportunity to get the job that wouldn't normally get that shot, right? Yeah. Because of unconscious bias or something else. Sure. And there are a lot of ways to do that. Well, it's about being deliberate with that. Yes. Right? Which is the whole thing to set up now, okay, you've got this tremendously diverse workforce. Now you have a lot of diverse opinions. So how do you ensure one, whereas before, okay, you're a white male, we need someone other than white male, right? It was a physical yeah. looking at you. Now, socially, how do you create a diverse workforce and say, well, we only want people here that are pro-choice or we only want people here that are pro-life, right? Now you have to be deliberate about making sure that there is an exchange of ideas. And, and, and what do you do if somebody comes in and says, I heard that we donated money to a Republican candidate and donated money to a Democratic candidate. I don't like Republicans. I don't want to be with a company that does that. And, and there's, a, there's a business answer to that, which is we're donating both sides because we're looking after our interests. You know, if we make widgets, sure. that, that they will influence the widget making industry in the way that we want. But how do you keep from losing people? I mean, if one of your star players comes in and goes, I can't, you know, if we're doing that, I don't want to work here. Sorry? Mm -hmm. I mean, well, you, you got to have a crucial conversation, which we've talked about those. And you have to make sure that they understand the why behind what the company's doing. If they can't get behind the why, I guess it is time yeah. that we find another opportunity for And we've them. talked about that, you know, get off the runway or get yeah. off the runway. Yeah. You know, hearkening back to my dad's day, or they would have said, we can reassign you to the coal mine. Right? Like, <laughs> you don't like it up here in the where the air conditioning is. Someone of your skills would do just fine in either the food service or house cleaning <laughs> industries. industries. <laughs> Sorry about the bug eyes thing. Um, you know, so leading through this sort of social revolution, you know, it, it creates a level of sensitivity in the leader. Mm -hmm. The emotional intelligence of being able to recognize not only the emotions in yourself, because... Let me tell you, there are, there are leaders that I know, if you say something like, and I want to say it, but you say something like, ah, oh, Roe versus Wade was a travesty, or, you know, this whatever, doesn't matter. You drop the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. I know leaders that will trigger on it. Mm -hmm. I can't believe we have to 
you know, tiptoe around the burr, 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 burr. The emotional intelligence required to say, you know what that is concerning? I can understand, right? Creating empathy, creating a connection with your person. Mm -hmm. You don't have to believe what they believe. You can be diametrically opposed to everything they say, or you can give two shakes of a rabbit's tail, but create the connection. I can see you're upset. I can see why this would upset you. Let's talk about this. Yeah, and not just uh, not just you know playing to them or you know trying to placate them, but but Got honestly it. understanding them or or having empathy towards them is key because people can tell when you're being fake. Yeah, right? emotional intelligence is not something you can fake. No, no, and if you don't have it, don't have it. Try to seek it out, yeah. but don't don't try to play into it because it will end very poorly for Walk you. Trust it. me. Yeah. They're there. You seem upset. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> then says under his breath, fold arms and look knowingly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Insert attempt to hug here. Yeah. <laughs> but that, uh, that type of understanding, again, takes a tremendous amount of maturity, too. For you to look past your own beliefs to the belief of another, that doesn't mean that your beliefs are not valid. In fact, it means you can hold to them pretty true if you can take a step away from them and look at something from the other side. Yes. Um, that takes a tremendous amount of maturity. Um, yeah, so. agreeing, you don't have to agree. Mm -hmm. Seek to understand, find, you know, there's got to be some sort of potential for common ground, but seek to understand where you can create that crucial conversation. And great book, by the way. You great should book. check it out. Silence to has a section on this on it. So. It is great, and I love everything about it, and I can't, you know, pimp it out enough. Yeah. If you, if you need a loan or the 12 bucks to buy it, give me a call. I'll help you out. <laughs> Changed my life. Um, but from a, from a, from a leadership perspective, uh, attempting to the, the key capability or key skill that we need to develop as leaders is creating that emotional connection. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some great work. Amy Edmondson, she does a Ted talk, she's done articles, great psychologist, yep. Harvard. Yep. She talks about creating a psychologically safe space. Mm -hmm. If you're rolling your eyes right now, you need to go watch that video because this is where we are. And that's okay. This is an evolution. And, and we, if you're going to be a leader here, this is the evolution that you're going to have to follow and be a part of. You have to be deliberate. You have to invest in it. Otherwise... Um, this is going to eat you alive, and sooner or later you're going to get a surprise visit from HR, HR. and security. Yeah, for sure. So we, we talked about, you know, how we got here, you know, how we lead through it. How do you win this? What does a, a, a person, a leader look like who has a team that is fully immersed in the social revolution? 6'3", beard. <laughs> Very well trimmed. Former Army <laughs> Former Airborne. Army <laughs> Cries when he watches The Notebook for the 32nd time. It's Jim Rockford from The Rockford Files. It's Jim Garner. Jim Garner makes me cry. Yes, he's always, he's always made me swoon, even when he's old. I love that team song. Yeah. Did he drive a Firebird? He did. He did drive a Firebird. That was an awesome car. Was it, wasn't a Trans Am. No, it, was it wasn't. Yeah. I remember, because yeah. it wasn't Smoking and Bandit. Yeah. It, was, it was the other one. Yes. Where did we go? We went to how, do, <laughs> how does a leader win? So our last part, yeah. part of this segment is how does a leader win it? So we talked about building empathy, building connection. What is, what is victory, putting our, you know, 
plenty of years around that, look like in this scenario, in this social revolution? I think it's, as you as a leader can look across your direct reports and you can see diversity, not only physical diversity, but diversity in thought. Of thought. And they're a team. I, I'm proud to say where I work, I got people of different ethnicities, of different belief structures, different religious structures, um, different different Gen- social stat, status. Sure, genders too. are in there too. Uh, yes, yeah. So it's it's one of those things you look and go, okay, you know, this is this is kind of cool. Now we just need to, to build on it. You know, it, it's not one thing to have the diversity and have the free thought, if you will, but to create a safe space where you can say anything and talk about anything and people aren't afraid to speak up. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a thing here that I think we need to touch on, um, and I know we're into our, our 20th minute, but it is extremely important to recognize, in terms of the social revolution, the values of your organization. Because if the values of your organization are incongruous or not in a line with that social revolution, then you're going to struggle no matter how good of a leader you are, mm-hmm. right? Because the organization, changing the values of an organization requires a lot of change and mm-hmm. usually up at the top. Leaders are the master die of the culture and cultural eat strategy for breakfast every day. Every day. Yeah. And so be aware of that. If you find yourself in a place where you're trying to win the social revolution from a leadership perspective, check the temperature of the culture of your organization to make sure the values align. Because the values of your organization are we work hard and we win, right? Mm, <laughs> that is sounding very much like industrial information revolution age. And I'm not saying you need to change. I'm just saying you might look to that, that incongruity is providing you an understanding of what's going on or what might happen. Well, and lastly, for you leaders, hopefully you're a leader. I hope you're a leader. That's why you're listening to this, right? Whatever your position in the organization, that you're with an organization that you're not afraid, ashamed to lead. Yes. Like, you know where they're going. You know who they are. And you're okay to lead and represent their values as the ambassador of that brand to your team. I, I, I want to share a story, and I know it's a little bit off-center from where we're going. Years ago, when I first started, I was living in um, near Los Angeles, California, and I was working for a company. I don't want to say the name. You'd never say the name. The team I was working in was good. Hmm. They had had the, my boss was a great guy, whom we both worked for, um, and still is my mentor to this day. Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> right? I know I know which company it is. Um, I won't tell them. The rest of the culture there was as toxic as could be, and mm. I didn't know. Yeah. And I remember the head of uh, one of the infrastructure services, a guy named Dave, said to me, Jim, man, you're a great guy, and I love that you're here, but you're not going to make it. And I said, what do you mean? He said, the culture here eats people like you for breakfast. And I said, no, nah, I'm pretty tough, Dave. And he goes, it's not a matter of toughness. You're going to look at this and say it's not worth it, Right. And maybe this is my first taste of social revolution. Mm. I remember walking down the hallway and hearing a screaming match going on. Top of their lungs. I came around the corner and there was an employee and his manager in a conference room with the door open. And the employee is ripping into the manager, coincidentally, about how he let security walk all over him. (laughs) (laughs) And I came in and I said, what in the hell is going on here? I said, you know, you, you're an adult. 
You're in a professional workplace. Stop that. And I look at the manager and you, you're a manager. Yeah. Lead through this. Put your shirt on for yeah. Christ's sake. And they're thing. staring at me. Yeah. And I stood there sort of like, and they just stared at me. Yeah. And I left. And I got three or four seconds down the hall and they started screaming at each other again. Mm. And it made me realize I can't change that culture. That's, that's not me, right? I was, a, I was like a flashlight in a dark room, mm-hmm. right? Wherever I flashed, it stopped. When I went away, it went back to the way it was. So as you see this social revolution progressing in your organization, you, you're going to have to adapt. Mm-hmm. You just are. If you end up being the flashlight, it's going to get painful and you'll probably self-select and move to your next place. But that next place... Might be where you need to be. That's right. So, dear leader, in this social revolution, as you try to inspire change and inspire the people you lead, don't forget to inspire thyself first <laughs> and vote with thy feet if they if thy has to. <laughs> Did not realize you were a Chaucer fan. Canterbury yeah. <laughs> Tales over here, Randy Fields. All right, well, with that, Randy, take us home. Well, dear leader, after a long, long dry spell. We're back. We're back, baby. I'm Randy Fields. I'm Jim Desmond. And you guys keep leading.